you people talk about that it's like I'm just being me I just want to be the best version of me it's like you're sacrificing so much potentially to be the best version of you through this guise of of wellness like what about your values you know like what kind of I don't know it's 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 very muddy hi I'm your host, Imogen Barnes, an inspired mental health advocate, eating disorder survivor, and your most fierce recovery companion. You're listening to Empowered, a powerment podcast that celebrates demolishing your limiting belief systems, inspires growth, and focuses on integrating your values into your goals and behaviors. If you're ready to be motivated, educated, and inspired to start your journey to recovery, in whatever form that takes, listen in and prepare to be empowered. Hello beautiful humans and welcome back to Empowered. Happy Wednesday. It is always a happy Wednesday when you're joining me and gifting me with your presence. Now right off the bat, I owe a personal shout out to the lovely Caitlin from Instagram, who was the first person to guess who my podcast episode guest is this week, which is so exciting. So Caitlin, here is to you in your phenomenal glory. I hope that you're tuning in from across the ditch in New Zealand and smiling at the mention of your spectacular self. I think that you are nothing shy of amazing. Now, people, I am feeling so calm and energetically aligned after recording this week's episode. The title of the pod is totally going to give away this sense of suspense that I'm trying to create in this intro. Um, So I better just get to announcing who this week's guest is. And drumroll, please. It is Kate Noel. So I first met, met in quotation marks because it was via Zoom, but that is the way of the future, I'm afraid. Uh, Kate, a few months ago when I was fortunate enough to star on her podcast, Take the Cake, which is my favorite podcast, one of my favorites. Oh my goodness, it's amazing. Anyway, I knew instantly that we shared this energetic connection and I have absolutely just considered Kate a friend and not to mention a bit of a superhero. Ever since then, (laughs) Kate conquered her own eating disorder after a decade's worth of suffering. And over the course of her healing journey, she documented her experience online and gathered herself a community that she continues to inspire even to this very day. Kate delves into her personal experience with her eating disorder in this podcast. And you'll be really, really delighted to hear she's completely changed the narrative of her journey. Since fully healing, Kate is studying to become a certified mind, body, and eating coach, offering support within the realms of eating disorder recovery, food freedom, chronic dieting, hypothalamic amenorrhea recovery, digestive healing, emotional and binge eating, body image healing, and mindset transformation. She is truly the human embodiment of tranquility, and I cannot wait for you to hear her wisdom. Now, of course, I'm going to attach a trigger warning to this episode just because of the nature of the topics we talk about. We do talk about eating disorders, some of their symptoms, their ramifications, and some accompanying mental health struggles. So if these are topics that bring anything up for you or leave you feeling like your peace is impeded, please feel free to click away and to protect your own serenity. I will, of course, leave links to support systems in the show notes should this episode trigger anything for you. I will also leave the fabulous Kate and all the ways that you can contact her in the show notes. So I know if you're anything like me, you'll be wanting to get in contact as soon as possible because she's just, she's so amazing. Anyway, so without further ado, here is the fabulous, fabulous Kate. So welcome to the beautiful Kate. I am 
so excited to have you on the show. I actually just, the second I am in your presence, I am just overwhelmed with this sense of calm. It's unlike anyone I've ever met. You are so beautiful. I'm so happy to have you here. Oh my gosh, that is probably one of the nicest things anyone's ever said to me. That's really sweet. Thank you. Um, I love you. And I loved talking to you on my podcast so much. And I've been looking forward to this interview. This is like your thing. I just know it. So I'm just so excited for this. Oh, um, (laughs) hello. Now that was like the most beautiful thing anyone said to me. So we're both (laughs) blushing, right? We're a good start. (laughs) Hey, I'm really almost positive that my audience will be really familiar with you, but for anyone who's not, would you like to introduce your lovely self? Oh, sure. Um, So I am, I guess I started off as a, well, I started off as a baby. No, I'm like my social media journey. I started off doing modeling and here in Los Angeles where I live, I was doing modeling and like really posting about how that sort of lifestyle. And I was very sick with an eating disorder and it started even before I started modeling. But as far as like my online presence goes, um, that's what I started with. And then I started my recovery in 2018. And then I started sharing about that. And I really kind of quickly became a like recovery influencer as opposed to, you know, this quote, perfect looking model, which I definitely wasn't, but I wanted to be, you know, and then I just from there really started developing a passion for helping people with eating disorders and and facilitating kind of like a healing community, which I know you do as well. Um, And then now I have my own podcast and I also have a coaching business. So I am an eating disorder recovery coach. And that actually just started, I I mean, it started in October, it's December now. So it's like not been that long, but you know, it's one of those things that I feel like I've been doing it forever. And so I think that's a good sign. It's so amazing. I have like the best clients and I'm just really loving that shift. So that's kind of what I do. And I still model, but it's not like it used to be. And I have a different agent. And so, yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's so beautiful. It's almost like from an outsider's perspective, like you've really come home to yourself, like you you've come full circle like you did you were a model and you were you know in your eating disorder and then you transitioned to the recovery advocacy and now you're actually a professional it's like you've taken on all these roles and you've just like blossomed into this Mm. you were always blossomed but you know you've just really just come full circle and just flipped the switch you have Mm -hmm. changed the narrative and I think it's absolutely phenomenal to to witness Thank you. I actually really agree with you. Like I, so I'm married to this guy named Rio and he was, so we have this like camcorder, this is a random story, but we have this camcorder that's like kind of dinky and old. And it was a gift like given to us for, for like, it wasn't, somebody was getting rid of it and they gave it to us. And it, we started like recording like home quote home videos on it. And we have like tons of footage of just basically from when we got married, which was when I was before I started my recovery up until, you know, now and like all of our fun trips and everything. And we were actually watching footage back of me. I was like dancing and I was in my eating disorder and I was like, wow, I just like the physical difference is definitely there, but more so there's just this energetic 
like, I don't recognize that person, you know, it's like that person was not living truthfully at all and just was super closed up. So it's just really like interesting. No, I understand. It's like the spark comes back in your eyes because when you're in your eating disorder, <coughs> excuse me, whether or not you recognize it or not, you're just this vacant, really distant, hollow version of yourself. And I don't think you can even do something like dance or laugh or anything energetically the way you would authentically if you weren't in that suppressed state. And I remember everything feeling so dull and laughing was forced and mm. something like dancing wasn't soulful or anything energetic like that. It was Everything was almost like role play and it was just, I wasn't really there. I was just up in my head. I love that. You're right. It is like role play. That's such a good way to say it. I, I connect with that a lot. Yeah. You're just existing, right? You absolutely mm-hmm. aren't living at all. Yeah. Would you like to share a little bit about your eating disorder journey with us? Sure. So mine started when I was, I guess I would say about 13 or 14, but I did competitive gymnastics and competitive cheerleading, which really facilitated a lot of fun and joy, but it also was like lots of body awareness and performance based sort of like not performance, like just like the way I looked really depended on if we were going to win or not, like really it did. So that was really, was really difficult from a young age, I guess. And um, I didn't really see that as bad because I was so young. So, you know, I hit puberty and I just, you know, I had a really good childhood, but there were things in my life that were hard for me to like emotionally metabolize. I was in, you know, in high school, I got to high school and I decided to quit this sport I was doing and just not being as active. I think I felt like I had to replace not being active with something, you know, some sort of something. So that's when I started dieting. And like, I was just in a emotional point of my life where I wasn't able to really like metabolize any emotions I was feeling and facing. And like, so just a lot of suppressing and a lot of kind of putting myself on the back burner. And as you know, and as I think anyone with an eating disorder knows, kind of like just I feel like almost before my eyes, I just developed an eating disorder that became harder and harder to let go of. And the behaviors became more and more normalized. So I struggled with an eating disorder. I started off as just restriction. And then I started to kind of engage in more, I would say, behaviors that were a little bit, I guess, not, they, they just were extreme on my body in the sense of I wasn't, I was, you know, bulimic and I was using laxatives and that really for some reason when I was that age you know when I was in middle school and high school and even college that felt like so much quote like worse than restricting because I feel like everyone around me was restricting but in reality in hindsight it's all the same it's not like you have to you're not going to win an award if you have you know this sort of behavior or not Um, but that was my path. And then I moved to LA. I dropped out of college. I was still struggling throughout college and I moved to LA and I really wanted to heal like this entire time of my life. I really didn't like having an eating disorder. I definitely wanted a certain body. I wanted a certain weight, whatever, but I didn't like the sacrifices that I was making 
having to make and forcing upon myself in order to get that body. But I just like didn't see another way. And like I said, everything was really normalized. So then I dropped out of college, moved to LA, got scouted by a modeling, my first modeling agents. And I really like, I kind of say this a lot, but I really moved to LA to kind of run away from my problems and that didn't work. (laughs) It doesn't work. So like I end up um, signing with this agent and thinking to myself, I'm strong enough to handle this. I'm just going to recover. I just, I really wanted to recover, but at the same time I was starting this modeling career and it didn't align with me and my true values, I guess, and what I was really meant to be doing at that time. So it made it worse. It made it harder for me. I started becoming really successful in the industry, specifically the e-commerce industry, which is when you do online shopping, like if you go on whatever website and you see the models who are like on the psych wall with all the different outfits. So that was like my specialty. I literally took, or I taught a class at my agency. They had me come in and like teach the new models an e-com class. Cause that's like the bread and butter of modeling. I think a lot of people think that, you know, the most successful models just book a bunch of campaigns, which is true. But I think even more so than that, this like e-com, this like online shopping is the bread and butter. Cause you'll go in like every single week, multiple times a week for these clients. It's like ongoing work, I guess. So anyways, I was in that world and I was just spiraling. Like I really just was financially. Now I felt like my eating disorder was, I had this like financial reason to hold on to it. And it just got really muddy really fast. And then I got married when I was sick. Sorry, phone. I got married when I was sick and that was really interesting. Just being in a relation, a very serious relationship, obviously getting engaged and being married. Um, that was interesting and difficult. I think we just, everything's harder with an eating disorder. And, um, then in 2018, I just, I wasn't having my period. I wasn't feeling well. I was having panic attacks. Everything, everything was affected by my eating disorder, like literally head to toe, mentally, physically, spiritually, everything was being touched by it. I felt that. So I hit a wall. I decided I'm done with this eating disorder. I told my agents I was going to recover. They didn't even really know what was going on with me, but I told them I was going to recover. I wanted to get my period back. And I just started my recovery journey. And it was a kind of a rocky start, you know, like, I guess just because I was doing it by myself, honestly, and I didn't have a lot of support, but now, you know, what is it? 2000, it was, I started January, my recovery, January, 2018. And I consider myself fully recovered now. I don't know how many years that would be 18, 19, 20, three years. That is so, so wonderful. (laughs) And it's so, oh, I just like resonated so deeply with you finding it so hard to distance yourself from behaviors, especially in the modeling industry, because I suppose you're even more immersed in those, the normalization of those behaviors Mm -hmm. in that industry, but just societally, like restriction in particular, like is so normalized and idealized. And it's so hard as someone that's having, you know, wanting to recover from an eating disorder to distance themselves from behaviors that the rest of society striving towards and you know you having to be like no I actually I want to do the opposite of what everything that society is telling me to do I have to do the opposite and that is like feels impossible Mm -hmm. I feel completely alone 
Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how that that's, it's interesting that that's true. I guess that's like a diet culture thing that like the restriction feels like kind of like the golden, like you get a gold star if you can do that. But I'm telling y'all like who's listening as we know, it doesn't work like that because it's going to lead you to a black hole and then you're going to have to find other ways to make, to sustain it. You know, it's like, it's not possible to maintain a life of restriction. Like we know what happens when to people who do, you know, it's not good. So. No. And I think there are certain eating disorder, particularly compensatory behaviors that are, you know, when we talk about how detrimental they are to your body and your, your, your health and your life, but we don't often talk about the detriments of restricting at all. You know what I mean? And like you, you speak really profoundly about hypothalamic amenorrhea and digestive issues. And I don't think it takes really, you know, those extreme quote unquote eating disorder compensatory behaviors to develop those digestive and, you know, long-term physical issues. It can be as simple as just restriction. I would actually love to hear about your experience with hypothalamic amenorrhea and your digestion. Do you want to start by like explaining what they both are and your, yeah, your journey? Oh yeah, sure. So hypothalamic amenorrhea is when I think it's technically three months without a period if you're like a menstruating person. Um, but I started my period when I was really uh, like late in the game. You know, I was, I think I was 16, which is really late. <laughs> and I was, like I said, I was really athletic. So I guess that's what I would contribute it to. And I also did have an eating disorder from a young age before I would say I got my period. So um, and then right when I got on the pill or sorry, right when I got my period, I asked my mom if I could go on the pill because all my friends were on the pill. And I just like, I don't know, like back in the day, I mean, I feel like it was, it's kind of, it was kind of cool to be on birth control pills. <laughs> I don't know why that was my sort of time. And, um, so I did. And so I never really got to know my body and my cycle. And obviously we all know that there's so much stigma with the education around having a menstrual cycle, the lack of education, the shame and guilt and everything that comes with it as well. So that's HA is when you don't have a period for three months and, you know, disordered eating can cause HA because of the, it's basically stress on the body. It's a lack of materials, AKA like rest, food, um, any sort of stress management compared to like you living your daily life, but there's just, you're just, you're not giving your body enough resources to ovulate. So that's what, that's why a lot of people with restrictive, or even if you like move houses or somebody in your life dies, like that stress could even kind of make you skip a period a month, but yeah, three months is considered hypothalamic amenorrhea. And then digestive issues happen with eating disorders because I mean our bodies need food to do anything to heal to generate we need fiber to go to the bathroom we need food to diversify our gut microbiome um, our colon and our small intestine like it's a muscle so it's kind of like you can think of your eating disorder like if you are sitting 
if you sat in a chair for a year and you got up to walk, you wouldn't really be able to walk. Like it would be like very difficult. That's what it's like if you don't give your body enough, you know, you don't give your colon enough food to work. And like, it's almost like it needs that, you know, it needs that stimulation and it needs density. It needs dense meals. So I struggled with both of those things. Um, the digestion piece kind of came later. Like I got my period back, um, you know, within the first year of my recovery, but then the digestion stuff kind of was a lingering and looming. So that was something, that's something I'm pretty passionate about because I felt, you know, physically I'm fully recovered or mentally I'm fully recovered, but physically I just had this sort of like thing and I couldn't figure out what to do. And I did everything I could for it. I mean, I had a colonoscopy done. I had a a GI doctor. I saw like a natural, like a natural holistic nutritionist who had me in a supplement protocol. I mean, I did so much to heal. I was meditating. I was doing hypnotherapy. I was doing nothing for a while. I was just like, I'm just going to whatever. And so I think that answered your question. (laughs) No, that's remarkable. And I suppose what my understanding is as a, like a lay person like I'm not a medical professional but when you're not giving your body enough nutrients it has to sacrifice the processes that aren't as life preserving as the others Mm -hmm. so obviously the beating of your heart and your breathing and these mechanisms are very life preserving and if you if you don't have enough energy to perform them then you're going to die really quickly Mm -hmm. so your body goes okay well we've got to give energy somewhere and although it's really important and crucial for a menstruating person to have a period you know it's not minute to minute life or death so you know and digestion is the same I mean obviously food is so crucial for survival but like the very rippling of your small intestine is something that your body can potentially sacrifice in the short term to preserve energy and mm-hmm. that's really long detrimental effects. And it's something, like you said, that you might not experience until way later in recovery when you realize that, oh, all those years, or it doesn't actually matter how long you're performing these, those behaviors, but wow, that actually had a really profound impact on my physical body. And I'm mm. having to really consciously heal now from something I didn't even know was going on. Yeah. And a really easy like easier way to think of it. And I think something that will re- really resonate with those who ha- are in recovery or have an eating disorder is actually what you're doing when you are restricting and over-exercising and um, not handling your stress and not coping with your emotions in a healthy way, in a healthy way, all of that is slowing down your metabolism. So that's what that all is. When you have a slowed metabolism your body is trying to compensate. It's sacrificing for your behaviors and the way that you're treating it. Like you're not being very nice to your body and your body's like, we want to live as long as we can. So what we're going to do is we're going to slow the heart rate down. We're going to stop, you know, the reproductive cycle. We're going to stop the ovulation. We're going to slow down digestion. Like you just feel slow. Like you are slow. Like everything is hard. It's hard to get up. It's hard to go and do things like circling back to just feeling numb and feeling like nothing. Like there's a physical reason for that. Your metabolism is really slow. Also, that's why your body temperature drops too. Yeah. It's all very backward, isn't it? In Mm -hmm. that we so often like, I know diet culture and just 
yeah, general society kind of strives for this, like, oh, I want a fast metabolism. And yet it's also like restrict your intake at every possible opportunity, which is exactly what you don't want to do if you want your metabolism to be optimate. Yeah. optimate. It's like, oh. um, um, I really appreciate you too. Like you speak about your spiritual healing that took place in recovery. And I know you love to meditate. Like, was that something that you adopted in your recovery or has it always been there? Um, I think it's something... I took more seriously in my recovery and, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I feel like recovery or my eating disorder was obviously distracting me from the real things I was missing. It's kind of like people are really naturally, of course, upset about having an eating disorder, which I totally understand is very valid. Like it's hard. But at the same time, something I like to encourage, at least with my clients and my followers, is that like it's really just asking you to course correct. And there's just something going on and something needs your attention, which is beautiful. Like, thank your body for speaking to you. And now it's time for you to stop ignoring your body and ignoring your needs and put yourself first. So it's actually a really beautiful thing. And you can reframe it into a really beautiful thing, which I know you've done as well. And that's really important, but yeah. So one of the ways I did that was like really reclaiming sort of my connection with higher power and like my higher purpose. And that sounds really out there, but like, I don't know when you have an eating disorder, like you're not thinking about your higher purpose. You're thinking about what you're going to, you're thinking about like that one day and you're not really usually thinking, oh, what is my, you know, what do I want in my life? What are my life goals? how do I want to look back on my life? And like, and just, you don't really have a lot of reflection, you know, you're kind of like living minute to minute with this tunnel vision, stress response all the time. So that's really like what inspired me. And I do, I don't actually meditate as much as I would love to. I go in like waves, you know, the waves of life, which I'm fine with. Um, but I am a meditation instructor certified. So that's really fun. And that inspires me to like make meditations and try and do them more <laughs> accountability. Yeah, no, but I really actually appreciate how you spoke about how you don't actually have to necessarily do those conventional, like spiritual things, because obviously spirituality does mean something different for everyone. And just being that connected to your higher purpose and your values and who you are destined to be is so beautiful and really like coming home to who you are and serving yourself for a change and not society standards, you know, just almost making you like your recovery political in a sense but also yourself a priority you know you're saying Mm. taking a stance against diet culture and societal norms and you're also just being like I'm going to care for myself and put that first and that's not a selfish act I am just returning home to me at the moment yeah it's like we're all on our own path and we can really hate our paths sometime we can hate what we've been given and we can be like oh like I'm just so tired of this life and I'm tired of being in this body and I'm tired of having these problems which is so true like yes tired of it it sucks you know but it can really empower you at the same time like you can kind of have both narratives in your mind of like okay but I'm here. I'm going to agree to be here. I agree to be on this planet as who I am. 
and I'm going to take my life and take my own path. Because as we know, if we take the paths of other people, if we take the path of the eating disorder, it's a black hole. There's literally like, it's not even a path. It's literally a hole (laughs) and you just keep falling. There's not even a bottom where, I mean, the bottom, I guess is death to be honest, just to be frank, but like, there's, you know, that's the bottom or you can take the path of recovery, which is also hard, but it's temporary. And there's another side to it. You know what I mean? Yes. So much. So, and (laughs) I wrote this thing in my little, like I have a little journal um, and I wrote something the other day and it was like, you're eating disorder or anything in the short term, you know, it makes you momentarily at peace, you know, or it gives you that momentary euphoria or that high, whatever you're searching for, but it's, so it makes you happy now, but performing like the opposite action to, you know, the one that will exist in alignment with the person that you want to be and the person you're destined to be, it's the one that makes you enduringly happy, even if it Mm -hmm. makes you in like a lot of discomfort in the beginning, Mm -hmm. you know, it actually makes you happy and satisfied and content for a prolonged period of time. And it's like getting through that initial stage where it feels awful to get to that the other side where it's beautiful and you're in alignment and everything feels like it's come to, together. Yeah. I love that. Beautiful. So um, I was really interested in talking to you. You make the distinction that you are really passionate about honest wellness. And <laughs> I feel like you're so anti like the traditional, like, wellness narrative where it's like drink celery juice and cleanse and go on a detox I feel like you're like oh those words I have like I'm, a response to those I know words. it's visceral isn't it it's like oh I hate it do you want to talk to us about your experience with like wellness culture yeah sorry I interrupted you with my visceral response um, oh I loved it <laughs> that's passion <laughs> that's passion right there because I because I like used to be like in that world you know especially in LA probably in Australia, Sydney too. Like yeah. Oh, I live in Byron it's, and it's yeah, oh, yeah. celery juice at every corner store. Ugh. Okay. Celery juice is not good. It's <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Drink some coconut water. Okay, that's a lot better. Um, okay, yeah. I am because wellness as we know it, I think in like 2021 Instagram coffee shop or not coffee shop, wellness shop standards is like the one pillar of health that is like body. Whereas like, okay, there's many aspects of health. And for those of us who are privileged enough, me included, to kind of tick the boxes on the other parts of the health wheel who can just focus on the like physical body health, like that it's a problem because you're ignoring all these other parts of your life that are really important, like your emotional health, um, your mental health, financial health, social health. um, And even within the physical like body sense, like how are you sleeping? Like there's just so much more than the way you look and the foods that you eat. So that's really what it is, is like, and that's how, what I do with my clients is, I ask them, like in our first session, I literally spend an hour and a half asking them so many questions, like until the dot of the minute, I'm asking them questions about every single part of their lives that like might not even have anything to do with what they're actually like, think that their eating disorder is a part of, like I ask them about 
spirituality, family of origin, sexuality, stress, like everything. So that's what I really mean. It's just like the holistic part of health that, um, I don't know, diet culture has stolen a lot from us. And so, and none of those things that the celery juice and the, I'm trying to think of other ones that are like currently happening. I, I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. I'm not even in that world anymore. So it's hard, but just mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know, keto, whatever keto. <laughs> like yeah. Whatever. Yourself of cops is somehow going to cure everything. It's so, yeah, that's, that's not good. No. Speaking of keto, that's just people who don't eat carbs are just in a stress state all the time. And like the high that you were talking about, the high of restricting is actually physiologically cortisol. a spike yeah. in cortisol. Yeah. And so all those people on keto are going to burn out someday, probably soon. Absolutely. And I love what you said. Like we have just attributed this idea of wellness to being thin and that stereotypical assumption that someone is healthy because you know this they're small and they go to the gym but there are so many more facets to health than how you appear and what you eat and exactly right like if you're sacrificing your sleep your emotional well-being your capacity to concentrate your your like education you know all these things that you have to sacrifice in order to sustain an ideal that you know is supposedly healthy then you're not actually healthy. You know, even if you're, if you're going to the gym five times a week, but you're not sleeping and you're not eating and you don't feel like yourself, you know, you're not healthy. It doesn't matter if you've got a six pack mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter how many celery juices you consume in a day. You're not genuinely healthy. Yeah. And you're also not speaking your truth because if you were speaking your truth, you would be like living in your true form. And it's like, you People talk about that. It's like, I'm just being me. I just want to be the best version of me. It's like, you're sacrificing so much potentially to be the best version of you through this guise of, of wellness. Like, what about your values? You know, like what kind of, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very muddy. No, it's like, I am suppressing my authenticity in order to apparently be the best version of myself, you know? Yeah. And yeah. And like, I don't, I'm not against nourishing foods. I love a nourishing warm bowl. I love, you know, sometimes a little kombucha, whatever. I, I, I love to do yoga and move my body. Like I love it. I love, it's just your energy with it. You know, it's like your approach to it all, I guess is yeah. where it is. Yeah. And even like you can, you can, kind of use the word nourishing and apply it to different contexts so I would think that being with my family and my friends and having a genuine connecting time a time with great connection and feeling you know really at peace and if that means you know um going to the movies and eating popcorn and then going out for dinner and having pizza that's still a really, really nourishing experience, you know, and being with those that you love, that's so nourishing and doing something that you're passionate about, that's nourishing as well. And then you're actually tapping into all those other facets of your life and all those different facets of health. And that's what makes you a genuinely healthy person, not restriction and not the elimination of certain things. That's not, Mm. it's never going. Yeah. Yeah. To speak on that, something I have a lot of my clients do is actually write down like in like a journal page and write down 
on the first, there's two columns on the first column. What does nutrition mean to me? And then what does nourishment mean to me? Because there's a big difference there. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. I've never thought of it <laughs> like that. Is, and that's so true. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just having this awestruck moment. That's, that's phenomenal. <laughs> it's actually that's something I, I mean, I do it all the time. Like even just in my head, I'm like, you know, cause you need both. Of course, nutri- nutrition is mate is great. Like you need to have, you know, nourishing nutritious foods in your life, but yeah, you're right. Nourishment so can be different. Yeah. This might be a bit personal, so feel free to just mm-hmm. feel like Imogen, I don't want to answer this question. Okay. But have you found that throughout your journey and over like the course of time that you've been with Rio, because it's been a really long time, well, in like, you know, mm-hmm, relative yeah. to your journey and everything, has your intimacy and like your relationship been affected by your healing journey or, you know, do you feel more? Yes. 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 Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, I mean, I've known him for uh, like we we have I, I think we met when I was just turned 18 and then oh. just about 27 now so it's been a while oh that's so sweet it's sweet yeah I know I was so young like I felt like I was so old but I'm like I was 18 how old are you I'm 21 okay okay I don't know 18 like you feel like you're like the most grown up I mean I guess you're the most grown up you've ever been when you're 18 but like I don't know no I get um, it. <laughs> yeah it has I mean as we know, eating disorders and, you know, healthy sexuality don't really exist together. They don't really coexist because, I mean, of course there's the restriction and having, and what that does to your libido. I mean, like no sex drive, no desire, no, no even desires for anything at all. And that's one of them. And then even if you're not in a state of like starvation, like it doesn't really matter. Even if you just have the belief in your mind of I'm not good enough in my own body, like you're going to present that in your intimate life with anyone and everyone, including your romantic partner, if you have one. So yes, it did change a lot. And that's a huge motivator for recovery. Honestly, is like getting your libido back, having a healthy sex life and like claiming that part like claiming your sexuality because people write it off so fast I feel especially women write it off so fast like why are women I think I feel that many women are just okay with being like yeah I don't really care about it but I kind of wish I did or like you know what I mean I just think it's really common to write it write it off yes and it's so much we speak about sexuality sexuality so differently if we are identifying as female versus identifying as male I feel like there's that masculinity and that femininity they have like really different roles in the intimacy realm and how we speak about it Mm -hmm. I agree yeah so recovery really taught me to have like my voice in all areas of my life and that was one of them too yeah and I suppose now you're a lot more present and like in alignment with who you want to be and that's probably the person that Rio fell in love with right so your relationship is like oh my gosh yeah just like being able to emotionally metabolize things and I don't know when you have an eating disorder you're just so critical of yourself so if if anyone even says a thing that like is at all critical even if it's kind and constructive you're like 
you're killing me. You know, yeah. it's like you can't handle it. No, you want to shy away from any form of like any comment made towards you, right? You're just like, oh. Mm-hmm. Um, now, okay, you've recently, you mentioned it at the start, but you've recently started like really dream chasing and <laughs> rebuilding this, like you're, you're making this career and this beautiful like professional name for yourself. Like it's always been there. Do you like to talk about what you've done recently? Because you've like, oh. Okay. So as, as I mentioned, I started my coaching business and I'm still in school and I was, I'm going to graduate in, so I'm studying psychology of eating, which is really amazing. And I'm meant to graduate in January and I was going to start seeing clients after, but I was feeling really called to see them like, you know, in October when I started um, seeing my clients and I was like, I really feel like I'm ready for this. So I've been seeing clients and it just feels really good to finally be doing something that I don't know. It just feels good to be, have autonomy over my career and my own life. And with modeling, you know, I got scouted and that's, I was, so I was doing this type of work called fit modeling, which is when you go in for designers and you're like a human mannequin for them. I was doing that uh, multiple times a week for the past couple of years And I kind of stopped that in order to do coaching and the reason, and that was really hard transition for me. I don't know why I think because so many people, it's so glamorized to do fat modeling and modeling in general, but I was like, this is draining the life force out of me. I was literally having panic attacks and I'm like, Hey, this is clearly not okay. So anyways, yeah, I started doing my coaching. I have a website. It's katenoelwellness.com. You can like it's very basic website. There's literally just enough information on it for you to know what's up, but um, yeah, it's been so, so great. I love connecting with, I just feel like every single one of my clients are like the best. I just love them so much. So and And my followers too. My followers are the best. Oh, I mean, like, I feel like you can properly to add that element of lived experience to your to your practice and that is just like another level you know like that connection that that fosters is unlike any other and I think that's probably why right you just love your clients because you can probably see yourself in them and it's kind of like okay this might be just my perception but like nurturing a former self you know like your younger mm-hmm. self and just being like that guidance that you so desperately desired when you were in that situation mm-hmm. yeah I, I agree And I think too, on the other side of it, like me being in this place in my life, I am now, I genuinely feel so much hope for all of my clients who come to me. And even if they're like, you know, about to be in tears or just like really struggling or clearly like, they're like, I just don't know what to do anymore. I don't have any hope. I honestly feel like I do have for them. And, you know, I think you would agree with just people who, I'm sure you get tons of DMs and people are like, I'm really struggling. And like, you have hope for them. Like you really feel like, you know, you've been there. So you're so right. Yeah. And I think it's so important when you're in those really dark stages of your healing that someone externally holds the hope for you because you're not always able to hold it for yourself. And having that supportive person that's been where you are and can actually say, no, I promise you, like, there is hope for you and it does get better. I think it means 
so much more you know it has that like sense of certainty or just like your faith faith in that person because it means so much when someone says you know it's going to get better I promise this won't last forever but unless that person's kind of familiar with the experience you're going through it can kind of just be like you have no idea (laughs) yeah you're like I'm suffering I'm on fire right now (laughs) yeah like like, uh, yeah like I thank you but it means it's really hard to take let me tell you put it like that yeah yeah I agree so much um I'm really curious so you kind of like recovered with an online audience like you'd gathered an audience prior to like fully recovering was that intimidating or was it supportive or was it a was it scary I guess I don't know any other way because that's how it always was for me. No. <laughs> I'm sh- there were de- there was certainly times where I was like I don't want to share this, so I didn't. Like I don't, you know, I didn't share the. I don't know how people pull out their cameras when they're like in the depths of like an emotional breakdown, because I've never been able to do that, and I'm always thinking like afterwards I'm like oh I should have taken a photo of me crying but I I didn't remember (laughs) like it was really hard you know there were a lot of hard difficult times so I didn't share everything but um yeah it it did feel like a lot of pressure I used to do YouTube and I don't anymore and that's actually been very relieving to me I think because on YouTube the main you know sort of videos that get the most attention are like the what I eat in a days and I was like I don't want to do these anymore like I don't agree with them anymore so I stopped and then I felt like now I'm just a vlogger question mark I don't think I'm a vlogger I just didn't identify with like being a youtuber anymore so I was like okay I'm gonna stop and that really was nice but yeah it was I guess I don't know it any other way but it did hold me accountable for sure yeah, no, I can, I relate in that I don't know any difference and I've always kind of made some, my healing quite vocalized. Um, and so I don't actually have that perspective of, of it being, I suppose for some people it's, it's really, it's quite the opposite. It's something that they don't talk to anyone about. And mm. I know that that can be helpful for some people and it can be unhelpful for others you know some people kind of like to slide under the radar and have no maybe oh you know how for you and I we have beautiful 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 followers and such amazing people in our circle however it kind of invites this element of scrutiny and criticism you know that you probably wouldn't get if you weren't being so vocal about your Mm -hmm. experience so there are like pros and cons right it's like I have all this support yeah I'm gonna try and focus on the beautiful supportive people and then the minute population that choose to be unhelpful and unsupportive I'm just gonna have to give them as little energy as possible I know sometimes you just gotta laugh about it like right? the guy sliding in my dms like the, his name was like Derek or something he always like dms me and he's like ha 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 I can't you know like because I'm you know like talking about how you should add sugar and cream to your coffee because it's metabolically supportive he's like ha 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 like you're messing up people's lives and I'm like okay Derek like you don't even know what's going on Derek (laughs) if this is as low as your life has got to like this is what you've stooped to like I'm so glad I'm not you sorry that's a low life I know I'm like sipping on my latte I'm like I'm good yeah I'm good I saw this beautiful quote the other day and it was like I don't actually don't know who it was from which is a pity because otherwise I'd quote them but it was like those who do or those who can 
do those who can't criticize I was like mm. it's really I like it I think that's really lovely I think a lot of people mm. can take that um what is some of your like healing preservation mechanisms like what is something that you do for yourself every day that you just you know really self-care so I love sleeping and my sleep hygiene is really important to me and like just if I need to sleep in I'm gonna sleep in and I'm lucky that I have that schedule so I feel lucky I mean I'm not gonna sleep it all day don't get me wrong I set an alarm and I'm like up but I'm I really feel like I need a solid like eight or nine hours of sleep and I am happy about that like I'm more than happy about that so that's something I really care about and I really also I guess a lot of the stereotypical self-care stuff, like I take really long showers. I like take a lot of baths and yeah, I don't know. I think also the meditation, obviously, like I definitely take time out of my day to at least connect with myself. I love listening to binaural beats and just sitting in the sun for like five minutes and just breathing. And I don't know, I think I have a good radar is if I feel like I'm getting off track and I'm disconnecting and I'm like not embodied, then I'll, I'm pretty good at recognizing that now. And I'll just like take a moment to like do some deep breathing. Something that's been really important for me lately is not eating my meals if I'm stressed. And like, if I, you know, you feel stressed, you can feel it. You can feel when you're stressed. If I feel that way, I kind of force myself. It's not yet a habit, but I kind of force myself to slow down and take like 10 deep breaths before I eat my food, which is, can actually be, it's actually kind of difficult, you know, but that's something I love to do. And that really helps me just to like assimilate everything around me and be more mindful. Oh, I think that's really profound. It's taking that moment to be in the moment and like how often do you do that by the way like as a human being I don't take enough deep breaths I don't think anyone does I don't think we're like taking one right now just because like every time I think of it I guess um yeah I don't I don't know because I don't have like a it's not I'm not like oh I need I need to do my deep breathing today I think it's more yeah sorry no I suppose I meant like so many people don't take deep breaths I think as people we're we all shallow breathe oh, and we yeah. don't we take a, we don't realize the importance of actually stopping and like being still for a moment mm-hmm. and just focusing on our breath and that can be it sounds so kind of you know cheesy but like that's actually really transformative and super mm-hmm. healing in itself yeah one way that I think is practical to start doing that every single day and like transforming your breath is to this is not from science this is from my own experience which I guess is science cool like right whatever. yeah sure um anecdotal is it like doing it doing the deep breathing in conjunction with something you already do every day like for example you could do it while you're in the shower you know like every day while I'm in the shower I'm going to like take start small too start small three deep breaths And then you can just like work your way up. That's like the way I work with my clients too. And that's something I feel like anyone listening should know. Like recoveries can be really overwhelming, but it's about those like little steps and like being patient with yourself and like 
knowing that you have a choice and like doing the little things that add up it's actually they're not little things they're big things you know but like they feel little I guess but even doing something like that that's something I would totally give my client like homework on just being like okay I want you to take three deep breaths every time you shower this week whatever Yes, that's so beautiful. And it's so much easier to integrate those tiny little changes to your existing routines rather than flipping your life on its head and like trying to change everything mm-hmm. all at once so profoundly. Like it's never sustainable if you do it that way. I agree. Is there like three tips that you would give your clients in taking care of themselves that our audience can take away today? Just <laughs> okay. Really healing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of ones that are very like practical across a wide spread. Okay. Okay. Slowing down with your meals and just trying to do one deep breath before you eat, like start with one meal a day, breakfast or something, lunch, whatever, like taking a deep breath. Cause I think that when we're stressed around food, we kind of live in that. We don't live in abundance. We live in that like restricted, like I have to finish this now. Or like, I don't know. It's like kind of the scarcity mindset. So that's something I'll say. Um, another one I'll say is like a journal, like a, a little journal thing that you can do is write down your top 10 values. You could like Google values, list of values online. I don't, I don't, I've never done that before, but, um, cause I have like worksheets I use with people, but like finding a list of values and like identifying like five to 10 of those and just like having those in your mind and like having those posted somewhere so that you can go back to them and remembering that those are eternal values and like your eating disorders, not, it's very fleeting and very hard to control. And like, you have to sacrifice a lot for it and they don't align. And then let's see, another tool I can think of would be forgiving yourself. Do it every day, <laughs> just forgiving yourself. And like, you're never, t- I, I don't believe that you're ever really making a mistake. Like, I think you can take information from every experience you have and like symptoms as messengers, right? So instead of like being like, oh, I restricted today. Like my recovery didn't go so well today or like something happened. You'll have symptoms of that. You'll have mental symptoms and or physical symptoms and listen to them, your symptoms, instead of being like, oh, I suck and checking yourself out. Like listen to the symptoms and be like, okay, thank you, body. Got it. Like I'm going to move forward. Oh, that is so beautiful. I think all our audience is just going to go away. Like, I just feel so instantly, so instantly calmed. You are phenomenal. And it is, it's so important to just come into the moment, stop living in the future and in the past and missing out on what's going on right now. Mm, I love it. Sorry, I kind of just like mowed you down. No, that's okay. Oh, where can our lovely listeners find you? Yeah, I'm Kate Noel underscore underscore on Instagram. That's funny. Um, and then I'm www.katenoelwellness.com is my website. And take the cake pod. Take the cake is my podcast. I forgot about it because I'm on break for season three. It's going on year three. Um, and I'll probably start that back up in January. So 
It's one of my favorite podcasts. I'm just going to throw that out there. It's so I loved our beautiful. episode. I loved when you came on. It was a really, oh. really inspiring. Like, so I got so many reposts from that episode, like people posting on their story because oh. yeah, you're amazing. Oh, that me. You are amazing. No, I just <laughs> actually had someone message me and say, have you done um, a podcast with Kate Noel? She's so inspiring. And I was like, no, but it's in the works. So I'm so (laughs) excited. Thank you for being here. I'll link all of your social media and everywhere that you exist online in the show notes (laughs) below. And I'm sure that you will have people hunting you down, especially now that you offer that it's professional service and you are just so holistically minded. It's so, it's so new to this community and it's so needed. So Thank you for bringing this really refreshing take on wellness and healing to this pod. I'm so thankful. Mm, Thank you so much. It was so great to be here. (laughs) You're so beautiful. So please join me every Wednesday and be prepared to be delivered genuine, candid conversation around mental and physical health, wellness, eating disorder recovery, self-compassion, healing, and empowerment. Let this be a place we truly harness our own pain into power.